Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Off the Dome podcast, your favorite sports podcast where this time two sports lovers sit and give their hot takes off, off the, the dome. dome. I am Mustang. And I'm Rebo Hustle. We're without Redfish tonight because he is working. Working. He's watching basketball. He's watching basketball for the next two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Not gonna lie, I wouldn't want to be in his situation. Oh yeah, but high school basketball is tough to watch, especially if it's not just like the highest of level. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But um, <coughs> down to the nitty gritty. Last episode, if you might recall, or if you check our social medias out, we did a giveaway for an autographed Saints Isaiah Foskey jersey, and we have ran the numbers, randomized it. We have our winner. Um, by the time you're seeing this, we may have already reached out to you, but the winner is at Twitman Nola, I think is how you we pronounce it. We may be butchering it, but that's the best we could do. Yeah, I think that's how you say your username, but congratulations. Um, like I said, we'll be getting with you. By the time you see this video, you might have already, might have already reached out to you, but we will be reaching out, uh, getting some details from you to get you this jersey. Um, but yeah, this episode we'll be going over um, Pelicans, what they've done in recent, uh, also what they could do in the future of this season. Uh, we'll be going over LSU baseball, going over the past uh, little series they had against Northern Illinois and Stony Brook. Stony Brook. <sighs> talk about those games and we'll talk about this upcoming weekend where off the Minute Maid. <laughs> Off Minute Maid Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> Off Minute Maid Stadium. That's right. Off the Dome is taking on Minute Maid to view the College Classic. Um, so it's going to be a fun time. Got some characters coming along with us. Boy, do we. <laughs> Pretty excited. Um, and then finally, we'll be talking about the Combine. Um, maybe, you know, how... People are seeing these prospects, how they're expected to go in the draft. And we'll be talking about some of the guys that we think might be underlooked or overlooked. Yeah, and also some the guys combine. that uh, the Saints should be on. That should definitely be on the Saints list. Yeah. Yeah, so with that being said, we'll get into our first subject being your New Orleans Pelicans. This one's all you, Rebo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, last time we talked, uh, the Pelicans facing the end of March, of course, and we said they got five games till the at, till the end of March, and they have, in my opinion, they had to win four of them. That's out the door already. Oh, really? We uh, Brandon Ingram had non-COVID illness, so he missed the first two games. We lost to the Heat in a scrappy. Uh, Scrappy, scrappy game, which of course is what you would expect from uh, the Heat and Pelicans, for being honest. Um, and then, but of course, we started last week with a win against the Rockets, and two nights ago, we fell to the Bulls, who we should have put him away in the third quarter. Sounds like Kobe White did his thing again. He definitely did some things, but it was just. I don't 
we just lost it in the third quarter, which is almost to be expected at this point. But yeah. we had a 15-point lead. You end up blowing it, losing by eight. Um, but, yeah, we've got the Knicks tonight, Tuesday. Um, Pacers on a back-to-back. And you get Pacers on Friday, March 1st. It's a tough, tough little road. You got back-to-back road games. The Knicks are nothing to roll over. Pacers are certainly not anything to roll over. Um, I hope we win the, both. Could I see us? Can I see a world that we only come away with one win out of those three? It's possible, but personally, I think we almost have to win at least two of them. Yeah, getting down towards the end of the season, it's it's becoming crunch time and it's approaching fast, and Pelicans seem to just be losing that these games that most people think they should win. Um, I think the Pelicans are the epitome of you're only as good as your worst quarter. Yeah. And we've seen it all season, past three seasons. Pelicans come out of halftime high on, you know, their their lead going into halftime and kind of just lose the lead in a blink of an eye, really, they just let these teams go on runs straight out the gate. So I think, you know, if we work on anything in the end of the season, it should be coming out of halftime with a passion, with a purpose, and playing your brand of basketball, not letting the other team dictate how that quarter is going to go. Yeah, I mean, in the past three games this past week, we did, um, what am I looking for? We were missing one of our big three in each of those three games. Uh, B.I. missed the first two, and C.J. missed the last one. And then also in the Heat game, there was a bit of a scuffle, which got Jose suspended for three games. And one more guy suspended for a game. Oh, really? Yeah. On the Pelicans? Najee Marshall. Oh. Najee Marshall suspended for a game. Jimmy Butler suspended for a game. Jose for three Thomas Bryant for three. So it sounds like Thomas Bryant and Jose got into it. and Well, the scuffle was over, and Jose and Thomas Bryant were both about to check in, and so they started stepping to each other, and then okay. both of them swung. Okay. In instant three games. Yeah. So you were really suffering from a lack of guard play against the Bulls, and if it, the Bulls have anything, it's guards on guards on guards. <laughs> and I think that's what really came to play um you we even saw herb take kobe white because kobe white torched us the last time we played the bulls and herb always guards their best offensive player and he held him to not a insane game but the bulls just still prevailed because they were able to uh get some pace and outrun the length of the pels in this game i'm interested to see if cj's back tonight against the knicks and, of course, we're going to need him against the Pacers. But, yeah, like you said, it all depends on what our worst quarter. It all depends on the defensive side of the ball, in my opinion. Because if we can for force turnovers, I guess it's not even the defensive side of the ball. It's just a turnover game. If we, have more if we cause more turnovers than give up, we're almost guaranteed to win. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I find it tough to watch the Pelicans around this time every year because it feels like, you know, start the season off great, go into all-star break excellent on top of the world, 
and then it just kind of slowly falls apart until the end of the season where they eventually decide it's time to catch heat again but it's sometimes it's too little too late yeah and the way that this uh schedule has been constructed you can't do that this year yeah we got some april, heavy hitters april, we might have the toughest april schedule um we talked about it last episode but having the lakers warriors kings suns twice all in april that's going to be tough yeah and then you know bucks celtics to end march yeah so thunder bucks celtics <laughs> yeah. to end march so you know if you're the pelicans you got to start figuring things out um i know like you said we haven't been without you know our full healthy roster the past few games but i think against playing these teams like you know the, the bulls the bulls aren't a playoff team the Knicks are a lower Eastern Eastern Conference team. The Pacers are really good this year, but you gotta you gotta find a way to get it done, w- no matter who's on the court. Yeah. Um, you know, as, as of as of now, as of what you predict going forward, where do you see the Pelicans finishing the season? Um, I'm hoping for a top six seed. We're sitting at six right now, a half game above the Kings, but the Mavs are going on a run. It's very possible that they're able to escape the play-in. We're also tied with the Suns still. I mean, it looks good. I'm trying to make sh- my ideal goal is to escape the play-in. Yeah, I mean, if looking at you know the the standings currently, really seeds four through nine can all. Oh yeah. You know, shake things up. You know, the Nuggets could drop, Pelicans could rise. Even the Lakers have 31 wins. They could they could blow up in these last uh, last couple months here. Yeah, me and Redfish were talking earlier this week about uh, from one to nine in the West is the gap between one and two in the East, like amount of games different. Nine so games, something like that. Seven and a half. <laughs> wow, <laughs> the Celtics are running away with forty-five wins. Yeah, so. Nobody's set is my is was right. was the real point of me and Redfist's discussion. Whereas, yes, the Thunder are on a heater; they got a five-game win streak right now. The Nuggets are always in contention for that one seed. But just depending on how the season plays out, one through nine can all be the one seed. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's looking tough because I mean all all these games are close. Like you take a look at things, um, seed four, like I said. The Clippers, 37 wins. If you go all the way down to the Lakers at uh, the ninth seed, they're, they're at 31 wins. So we're talking six-game difference yeah. between the four and the nine spots. A lot of teams, a lot of potential to mix things up. I just hope the Pelicans can remain within the, the top half of these this group. I mean, and as crazy as it may be, the sixth spot might be the toughest spot. The Nuggets aren't going to go down in the first round. And I think you match up well against the Thunder. I don't think you've lost to the Thunder in probably two years. So maybe the way that it shakes out, play-in's the better path. But definitely the best path is guaranteed four games in the playoffs. We're, I don't know if we're winning a championship this year or not, but you need the experience of some playoff basketball. Right. right. Yeah, so... You know, I think they can scratch together a few wins, maybe move up to the five seed, switch with the Suns. That would be excellent. Clippers are tough too, but <laughs> we got so much 
so much more basketball to play this yeah. season. There's no telling. It's still, what, a month and a half left? Yeah. So Almost two sol- yeah. whole months, yeah. So don't you worry. If you're here for Pelicans content, we will continue to follow this team till they die. Also, Zion's been playing great. Past three games, almost triple-double all three games. By the way. That's what we like to hear. So Stephen A can shove it up his butt. (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, um, Pelicans are playing as we speak. Um, Quick check-in. You know, eight minutes left in the first quarter. Game just started not that long ago. They are currently up eight to seven against the Knicks. Playing in New York would be nice tonight. Um, But... I think that'll be it for your New Orleans Pelicans. We will now move on to LSU Tigers baseball. I love, I love looking at that graphic. I know that, you know, people, people out there watching or not watching, listening on Spotify, you can't see these graphics, but that LSU national championship one, it's just... Good old number seven, man. It hits you. So, that being said, we had another four-game series. Four series against two Decent. lesser lesser teams. Can you know when like you look at in D one baseball, but these teams, just like the first series, they came out with a fire. Um, obviously, you're talking about you know Northern Illinois. And Stony Brook, Northern Illinois, those two games we played, I mean, I kind of felt safe the whole game. Yeah. We were we, going to come out on solid. top. However, Stony Brook, I mean, we dropped one. Yeah. We're I no mean, longer undefeated. Stony Brook, once again, beats the Tigers in Baton Rouge. Yeah, I mean, Stony Brook's always, it just seems to always have LSU's yeah. number. Right. Come in and beat a Kevin Gosman-led Tigers in a Super Regional. I mean... The guy we faced on Saturday? Yeah. The guy we faced on Saturday was legit. No, it was Friday because they played Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Thursday, Friday. Sunday. So the guy we placed on Friday, Sony Brooks pitcher, might be one of the best arms that isn't in the SEC. Jay Johnson knew that, said that coming in. And also, it seems like we can't – I don't know if it's a mental battle of the winds blowing in so we can't do anything on offense – because you've seen it, you saw it last weekend. You see it this weekend, and both games that it was blowing in, we had really low scores. We just managed to just be the better team against Northern Illinois. Um, but also, we've seen some some pitching struggling this weekend, and in my opinion, one of the best weekends out of Paxton Clean that we've seen ever. Yeah, he was he was on fire uh, this weekend. We did see some. Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? I mean, obviously they struggled uh, against Stony Brook, dropping a game. But even in the second game, um, where Tigers put up a bunch of runs, but Stony Brook did too. So you obviously, have a theory on that. You have a theory on it. Yeah. Well, let's hear it. Well, I think, I think Jay Johnson just wanted to play nine innings, <laughs> and so last week, last weekend. Last week's pod, we talked about how we thought we saw all of LSU's bullpen. Everybody we're going to use this season. And then 
Stony Brook game one, whenever the game was pretty much over, put in uh, Michael Bucknam, guy we didn't see last weekend. And then in Stony Brook game two, we put him in again whenever we were up by like 12 runs or something to give up some runs, put Cam Johnson in, who's been struggling, see if he can do anything, gave up a couple runs. He still struggled. Still struggled, still struggled to find his strike zone. And then after that, they put in Christian Little, who we know has struggled to find a strike zone in the past, but has some elite stuff. And I really felt like it was, uh, let me put him in a pressure situation to see how he, see how he reacts. And it wasn't great. And then you brought in Uyola. I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't great, but it could have been worse. It could have been a lot worse. I also feel like, you know, from a pitching standpoint, I think he did his job. It's just they had some miscues. Like, um, <coughs> for instance, the first batter he faced got a base hit, ground ball, first base side. They had a runner on. If you know if. Jared Jones isn't holding that runner on. It's an easy ground ball. So, you know, chalk it up to what you will. That's one of them. The other one was um, deep ball hit to right field. Right fielder just lost the ball in the sun. Yeah. Easy double for Stony Brook. And then right after that is when he got pulled for Ooh Baby Uyola. So, <clears throat> you know, call it what you will. I still see potential in this kid. I like I think he has the correct stuff. I think he's, you know, starting to realize that he can do the job. He just got a little unlucky. So I'm I'm, you know, I'm interested to see where he goes from here. If he's going to let that harp on him or if he's going to be like, "Hey, you know, it, it happens to the best of them." I mean, it's baseball. No one's going to be perfect. Yeah, I feel like we have all sides of Christian Little on this podcast. Like you you giving him every benefit of the doubt. It's not okay. So it's well, not like, that I think that you think he you you see the potential. Yeah, I see the potential. I'm not saying that he's greatness. That yeah, yeah. yeah. I know he's gonna break out. I just think that he like like he has potential he has to be a solid potential. arm in yeah. your, out of your bullpen. And Redfish rather die than watch him <laughs> pitch a baseball ever again. And I'm just like, if he's good, he's good. And if he's bad, he's bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy yeah. either way. Like yeah. as long as Jay Johnson realizes there's a problem, or if he's good, we we fix it there. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you got to play him. You got to see him. If he's doing bad, you don't have to play him. Because we saw what I would consider his worst in that Auburn game. Arkansas. Maybe Auburn too, it but was, definitely Arkansas. It was, it was Auburn where uh, he walked, I think, eight runners in an inning. Yeah, I mean, he definitely struggled to find a strike zone last year, but I really do believe I believe in his stuff like you do. And as long as he can let the nerves pass or whatever it may be, he has potential to be one of the, one of the great arms out of the out of the bullpen. Yeah. Um. Another thing to talk about: Hayden Travinsky had a monster opening weekend. Ver- struggled a whole lot from the plate. Can't ask for a guy to be elite every time he goes up yeah. to bat. But it it is something to touch on. If it continues this week, then we might have a bit of a problem. But. I don't think there's a world where you're going to take number eight out of the lineup. Yeah, I mean, we've seen him be so clutch so many situations last season. Uh, and, I, I yeah. can only see him improving this season, really, uh, especially his mustache. <laughs> that thing is legit. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think I think LSU baseball's current state 
is they just need to manufacture some more runs. Like in these small games, not being able to do that against you know the the lesser teams is going to come back to bite them when we get to SEC play. When we get to if we get to the um, College World Series again, you're going to have to be able to manufacture some runs. We're not going to be able to hit the home run ball and power our way through like last season. We might. We have some sluggers on this team, no doubt. Yeah, Mac Bingham hit that thing right into the wind and sailed over Did the bleachers. Did not care, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, as, as it has been looking so far, I think this team is one of those teams that can just keep an inning, make it last forever. Yeah. Just by I mean, base hits and You've kind of seen it, like, every first inning. Yeah. Every first inning has been a nice 20-minute inning. But after that, we just have been struggling. I mean, I don't know if... If it's just approach or what are we going to do if we have a guy on base, like maybe we're getting too mental with it. But first innings have been great. Yeah. Um, we'll get to see a real test this weekend. Yes. We'll be playing. Also where I was going. We'll be playing Texas. Um, another team, ULL, who we've seen struggle in the past. LSU struggled against ULL in the past, uh, even just last season, dropping a game to them. And then um, Texas State. Texas State. Not Rice. Rice is also going to be there, but we're not playing them. Good. And Rice is another team that finds a way to beat the Tigers in Baton Rouge. But, yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing looking forward to this coming weekend. Uh, I think it's just the Houston Classic. College Classic. College Houston Classic. College Classic. Yep. Yeah. Um, but that's another thing to look forward to is we've seen our first real big test. Another elite team, ranked team. Are they even ranked? They're probably ranked. Probably like 11 or something like that right now. Um, but, yeah, probably close to your Big 12. One of your Big 12 favorites, at least. Um, what do we do against a big arm that's not a, that also has bats behind him? Couldn't make this harder. But, yeah, I mean, we lost a game. Vanderbilt's lost four this year already. A game is not huge. But, I mean, you learn from your losses at least. Texas is currently sitting at the 14 spot uh, with a 6-1 and one record. Vanderbilt's also going to be there. Thank God we're missing them. <laughs> Vanderbilt, yeah, Vanderbilt is too. They... Um, they were in the t- they were they were ninth uh, with a five and three record. Sucks. <laughs> um, I'm gonna keep talking. I'm gonna see who Texas played so far. Um, we can get into some stats. That's for sure. We see we saw another great weekend out of Luke Hol- Holman, looking to be your ace. Maybe he's not as crazy good as uh, Paul Skeens, but he's a legit arm. Was a starter. Was a Friday night starter last year in the SEC. I believe he can do it again. Uh, Thatcher Hurd looked rough once more. Could probably see him maybe even take a step back, back into the bullpen. Jay Johnson will probably ride him at least to the SEC play. Gage Jump got his first start. 
he only pitched like three innings or so because I think he's still on a pitch count. But he yeah, looked, he looked very good in it. Not only like are they you know watching these pitchers pitch count, but they're also like in these early games they're wanting to get as many arms in there as they can just to see how they'll react during a real game. Uh, th- these different clutch moments. So these these first few weeks of college baseball, you're gonna see a lot of guys come out and throw these games. Um, but whenever you get down to you know the the conference play, the the bigger games, you're gonna see like a set rotation almost uh, when it comes to these college college pitchers, with maybe a, a few different guys in the bullpen coming out for different scenarios like lefty versus righty splits. And then of course you have the midweek games where you don't know what you'll see. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, we know Jay Johnson loves to make adjustments to to the game itself. Like, yes, Thatcher Hurd may be pitching a great game, but he likes Nate Ackenhausen against this batter. And so he pulls Thatcher Hurd even, even though he's having a pretty good game. Um, And so that's the thing I've come to notice a lot about Jay Johnson and even come to like, even though it's like, oh, you got to ride the hot hand. Well, if it's winning baseball, it's winning baseball. Yeah, he knows the formula to win baseball games for sure. So I trust every decision he makes. Yeah. Um, yeah, just to backtrack a little bit, um, Texas opened up the season against San Diego, um, won the first game, lost the second in extra innings, and then won the third game. So their one loss to San Diego, about pretty similar to uh, both LSU and Wake Forest at this point dropping one game to a team they probably shouldn't have. Yeah. What are your expectations for this Houston College Classic? Well, if Texas doesn't have a guy that can throw a sidearm, I think we'll be in good shape. Which is crazy to me because, you know, I mean, it's – it used to be fairly common for a pitcher's release point to be, you know, more side than up top. But now we're seeing it go back to the original, the over the hand, over the head uh, release point. And I think they got away from the sidearm because the ball, when you throw a fastball sidearm, it doesn't move left and right. It it just stays put. Uh, breaking balls are a lot harder to control sidearm. Usually, if you know, if you can't really get on top of the ball, or in this case, under the ball. It results in a pretty f- flat, you know, not moving ball that's only going 75, 80 miles an hour. I mean, which, you know, me, I ain't hitting that, but I was a pitcher. But these guys should. But, yeah, you know, like, I guess it's because it hasn't, it's fairly uncommon now to see that kind of release point. And I don't know if we have anybody in our bullpen that does it. Yeah. And so you haven't seen it all fall. You haven't seen it all spring practices. So it's a possibility that it's just like they haven't seen enough of it, but they struggled against the guy from VMI who also pitched sidearm, and then the reliever in the Stony Brook game pitched sidearm and struggled again. Yeah, that that puzzles me. Cause I mean, I you know growing up, I've always like I've you know I've tr- obviously I've tried to throw some sidearm. I wanted to be like those big leaguers that were doing it at the time. I mean, every pitching coach I went to, don't do it. Not enough movement. Not enough movement. Ball's going to be flat and slow. You're going to get more velo, more speed coming over the top of the ball. You just got more behind it that way. Yeah. I don't know. 
But yeah, as long as as long as Texas doesn't have a guy to throw a sidearm, I think that you at least you should be able to handle ULL in Texas State. So Texas is your only real challenge. That's going to be the Friday night game. So you have all the arms available possible. You've had and there's no way that the lineup doesn't include Travinsky White, who's having who's getting better and better in his ramp up from having his uh I don't know if it was a rotator cuff, but something with a shoulder surgery. Um, but yeah, I I feel like it's very possible to get three wins. If you lose one, you lose one. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know it is the college classic is all for charity, obviously. So that's the the main point here. But we want to see our Tigers win while we give our money to yeah beer, which goes to charity. Well, that's a beer. <laughs> there will be. There will be. Maybe not bought at Minute Maid Park because, good lord, oh, that was so expensive. Two years so ago. expensive. But there will be a lot bought at the Dollar General <laughs> or the the Walgreens, CVS, whatever it may be. Something in Houston is going to get paid. Yeah. <laughs> Probably some restaurants, too. We got a lot of guys oh. that can eat. Oh, do we? <laughs> All right. Um, I think that'll wrap up our. LSU baseball segment. Um, be sure to tune in next week when we recap the party that will be the Houston trip. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun for sure. Um, but moving on to our last segment, we're going to talk about the NFL Combine, some prospects, some mock drafts, just a little you know upcoming NFL draft in general. As you can see from that graphic, plenty of talent in this upcoming draft. Um, you know, as we're looking at some of these mock drafts, a lot of them are very similar. And that being, you know, picks one, two, and three. A lot of them have the quarterbacks going. Caleb Williams, obviously, he's pretty much chalked up to number one overall somehow. And then uh, a lot of people saying the commanders who have picked two will be taking Jaden Daniels. I personally disagree. I'm a big Sam Howell guy, though. Yes, yeah, obviously not because I don't think Jaden Daniels is worthy of pick two. Yeah. He's worthy of pick one. But because, as the commanders have just seen last year with Sam Howell, they have not only a quarterback that can you know, produce in the NFL, but who can win you a fair amount of games um, if he has the right weaponry, if he has a defense backing his offense. Um, but a big point in this offseason is that the commanders went out and got Cliff Kingsbury to be their offensive coordinator, who we've seen have success with Kyler Murray, similar quarterback to Jane Daniels. So I can see them picking Jaden Daniels here. I'm just sad for Sam Howell. Yeah, I mean, the only possibility that they don't take quarterback, in my opinion, is if for they, them to trade out. Yeah, and there's not much to get back in this draft. Like, right. the only team with two first-round picks is the Bears, who have the pick in front of you. Um, and then. Do you, are you willing to push the bucket so far down the road to say I want to pick next year and the year after? 
Um, so, like the reason that the Bears are going quarterback here, even though everybody's saying Justin Fields is still a good quarterback, is you're only going to see a top three pick every so often. Right. You don't want to be in that position, but some people do, and the Bears have the first pick second year in a row. They traded out last year. So they have, in my opinion, they have to stick and take a quarterback. You struggled last year. Yes, uh, Fields got hurt. But uh, there's no reason that Jaden Daniels isn't good enough to be a number two pick, like we said. So it's a no-brainer, from my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of opinions on these prospects coming up. But I think a a lot of these guys, um, I could see landing a lot of different places, really. Um, You know, so much parity, so much depth at each position but when you go down to pick 14 we have the Saints pick and we, we've talked about this you know just a few minutes ago before we uh, you know, started the podcast yeah. but what do the Saints need in this draft yeah and, uh, a lot of people are projecting Brock Bowers just because he's going to fall and he's an elite talent but you got one of the deepest tight end rooms in the league and now that Ryan Ramchek's coming back, do you need an offensive tackle? Andrews Pete played a great left tackle last year. You kind of need interior line is your biggest need need. Whereas I can see us going a weapon like a wide receiver, whether that be Romo Dunze if he's still on the board, or Brian Thomas, maybe even reaching and getting Brian Thomas, which isn't a reach in my opinion, but according to every mock draft created, it is. But uh, yeah. Because you need to replace Michael Thomas, because right now with another Thomas, with another Thomas, you've only got Shahid and Olave that are reliable receivers, in my right. opinion. Yes, At Perry stepped up at the end of the year. He did. He got a few touchdowns. But Lynn Bowden also stepped up. Yeah, but I mean, those are really wide receiver four guys you bring in if you're going right. empty right. stuff like that. Um. Also. We talked about there's one guy on each level of your defense getting old that have a potential this to be their last season. Yeah. Whether it's Cam Jordan, Demario Davis, or Tyron Matthew, they're all getting pretty old. Yes, they all are playing great still to this day, but um you gotta start looking into the future a little bit. There's some edge rushers that have some potential to be some of the best edge rushers. NFL's ever seen, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely heavy. Uh, I mean, last season too, it felt like some really good edge rushers. I mean, obviously Will Anderson. Uh, but this this draft feels like it could be just as full of potential as the last one. You got people like uh, Dallas Turner out of Bama. Um, one of my favorites, Chop Robinson, out of Penn State, uh, and then Jared Verse out of Florida State. Gonna be a dog. Gonna be a dog. If you could pick anybody that is Cam Jordan but young, it's Jared Verse in my opinion. Yeah, a guy that's a monster, a guy that can play every snap of the game, whether it's all, whether it's a run play or defensive, you know, or pass play. He's great rusher, great run stopper. In my opinion, he is my leading pick. 
but does he fall to you? We see different things out of ev- almost every draft, whether he gets drafted behind the Saints or in front of the Saints. Um, but also guys like Cooper DeGene to play safety. Yes, he played corner in college, but he's a pretty big corner. Yeah, 6'1", 200 pounds. It's pretty big. You know, I mean, 6'1", is, possible. is on the bigger side for cornerback. 200 pounds is a lot. Like 30, 30, 40 pounds heavier than most cornerbacks in the NFL. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see what teams do with him. Um, I've seen a few mock drafts where he goes to the Eagles, a few where he goes to the Lions. Uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see because I, I would – I think he'd be better in the NFL as a safety. He'd be nasty on the Eagles. He would. He He definitely would. But um, he still has, you know, a lot of talent, a lot of potential. Yeah, I'm just, I'm excited to see where he lands and what he can do. Yeah, and then with the 14th pick, like, you're right there in the middle of the, in the, of the first round. In my opinion, it really depends on what things happen before you and what, like, who's still on the board. Because, like, we've seen in some draft, some mock drafts, uh, to leave Fugoa, which might be the, my offensive tackle number one, is going at twenty. Which I don't know if you can pass up on him. Like there's guys that you can't pass up on, and I think that's why a lot of people are saying that we're going to take Brock Bowers. Um, you know, the, the more and more I think about it, yes, we have incredible depth at tight end, but you look at what these rookie tight ends did last season, right? Laporta, Kincaid, Mayer, immediately immediately came in and made an impact on these teams. Do you think he has the potential to be just like the tight ends from last season? Yeah, I mean, he was undoubtedly the best tight end in college football two years ago. Like, everybody, that's why he's the only tight end that we've talked about today. We went through two rounds. Yeah. Um, so like those are just guys that you can't pass up on, and I think that that's why fourteen is kind of a sweet spot because you can let the Raiders get weird and like pull a JJ McCarthy or something like that. Yeah. Um. So I honestly, uh, I think it's a great spot to be in. You kind of get there's more than fifteen guys that are must gets in this draft, and so you're gonna get a guy. You're going to get a guy that's going to be <laughs> a guy like somebody who's no, I, legit. I like you're going to yeah. get a, a franchise maker. Yeah, plenty of talent in this draft. Um, now we're going to switch things up. Talk about who maybe doesn't look like they could be a guy. I think we we both have the same. That's what I was Can we just write the quarterbacks off? Well, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, my 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 guy that I don't think has potential to be a franchise changer is Liatu Latu out of UCLA. I think he's like a fifth or sixth year senior. He got medically retired at the college he was at before he was at UCLA, and then UCLA was like, "Yeah, you can play for us. That's fine." And he had a great season. Don't get me wrong, but a lot of people it's 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 a big risk. Yeah, there's there's so much to question about the medical side of. Will he even be cleared to play in the NFL, or does he pass the combine physical and stuff like that? Which, if he does, great. And if he has a great, great 
NFL career, awesome. But I, I personally would hate if the Saints took that risk. Yeah, it's a big risk to take. Um, you know, drafting someone with a medical history such as his. Um, but I'm leaning more towards a guy who just is getting a lot of praise and a lot of respect that he maybe doesn't deserve. And that being cornerback Quinion Mitchell out of Toledo. Had a great senior bowl. That's that's his one thing that he's riding on right now. Supposedly he had an outstanding senior bowl. Um, We saw a few clips of the practices for the senior bowl where he had like one good play. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The other ones uh, was like a comeback route, a curl that he got toasted on. And he was playing behind him too. And then another one was uh, like an out route receiver dropped it. He was probably two yards off of him when the the ball yeah. got to him, and he celebrated the receiver <laughs> dropping it as if he caused it. And then not only that, but you know we we also saw a few clips of him playing in actual like you know regular season college games for Toledo. And like, don't get me wrong, he has great like reads the ball great see the quarterback, can read him, can jump a bunch of routes. We saw that. Something we also saw was that last year... Didn't have a great year. Didn't at all. Um, Got a lot of tackles. That also meant a lot of receivers caught a ball on him. Yeah. That and we we were watching the highlights, I guess, from his sophomore year. And he had five picks on the year. And four of them were in one game against Northern Illinois. Like, how, how... how much are we talking of weight of Northern Illinois quarterback <laughs> to an NFL prospect? Yeah. Do I think he's going to be a great third corner? Yes. Do I think he's the by head and shoulder number one cornerback in this draft? Like a lot of people are trying to make him make him out to be. No, I think both Bama corners are probably as elite as they come. Kool-Aid McKinstry is. Uh, his draft stock is falling because he didn't have a lot of balls get thrown his way last year. Right. Which, which is the best thing a corner can write on his resume, but whatever. Yeah. Less targets. Obviously, the receiver was covered up pretty well. <laughs> the quarterback didn't even think about throwing it his way. Yeah. Um, but that also, you know, helped his teammate, Terry on Arnold, um, being he didn't allow a lot of catches this year, even though he was thrown to quite a bit. So you got two Bama cornerbacks in there, and then somehow, some way, people are still writing off Toledo cornerback Quinion Mitchell as the number one in this draft. I'm not feeling it. Not at all. He's going to have some, some proving to do at the combine, in practices, whatever wherever he lands. Wish the best of luck to him. But again, it's one of those players that's a big risk to take. Yeah. Just with the amount of proven gameplay from, let's say, the top 20 prospects in this draft, he has to have the worst prove, like gameplay. Right. Whereas you got monsters like Nate Wiggins, who played at Clemson and saw NFL arms, like uh, I'm forgetting the Florida State guy's, har- guy's name, the quarterback. Jordan Travis? Yeah. Saw Jordan Travis, played well against the against Florida State. Um, Very well. 
Yeah, and so where does Quinion Mitchell – he might be my cornerback four. I know Redfish loves him, and he's probably fuming right now listening to us. But – He just hasn't proven it to me yet. That in senior bowl to me is very much so line-based. Like one-on-ones with offensive and defensive linemen, that's where you're really going to tell who's going to be – like who has – the tools in their toolbox, which is my favorite quote from Lyman Camp all time. But who has who has the tools to make it to the NFL and the the offensive and defensive line senior bowl standout was Fuaga out of Florida State I mean out of Oregon State offensive tackle. I think he might even made his case to be to get taken over Olafashanu or Joe Alt. But both of those guys are the most legit tackles that we've seen in a long time yeah um yeah it should be interesting combine should be an interesting draft uh like i said in the last episode um still no word yet on whether we're gonna do another mock draft episode or a a, you know a real-time draft episode we'll figure it out more than likely yes i was gonna say we'll definitely do a mock draft i don't know if we'll I know I'll be working during the draft, so I don't. I won't be able yeah, to get I off. think I will too, but you know, we we'll might see. see a redfish and accessory <laughs> off the dome. <laughs> Adams. Oh yeah, redfish and the Adams. Redfish and the Adams. Maybe have a draft spectacular, but but yeah, I mean it's an exciting time of year. You know, I love the combine. You know, that's where I predict somebody to be awful and I predict somebody to be great. <laughs> this is true. And um, you know, piggybacking off that, you heard our predictions for people we might not, we think might not, will make it in the NFL, or who might not be all that they're talked up to be. We're gonna switch it up now. Now we're gonna talk about some people that we think aren't regarded as highly as they should be. Might you know outperform other players in this combine and move up their draft stock a little bit. Would you like to go first, or would you like me to go first? You can go first because I got I got two okay. or three guys that I can piggyback off of but I know you I know you've got your guys and I don't have them I don't have that guy I've okay. got my guys um these are they're both you know Georgian. S- skilled players out of Georgia who you you know in a lot of mock drafts you'll see uh either skimming the end of the first round or you know anywhere between early to mid second round and um on both sides of the ball my top guys, cornerback Kamari Lassiter, just another monster at cornerback. Um, I mean, you've seen this Georgia defense three seasons in a row now just come out and dominate SEC football. And he's, you know, definitely a focal point of that defense. He's been able to shut down quite a few good receivers over the few years. Um, he's also pretty big. I think he's uh, right at six feet, maybe six one, but like 180, and he's quick. Got a hell of a wingspan on him. And I could definitely see him, you know, coming out to this, this combine and overperforming, proving that he deserves to be in the first round. The other guy... Also from Georgia, but on the other side of the ball, wide receiver, Lad McConkey. He's one of those guys. 
pretty high motor, pretty gritty. But I could see him coming in the league and fitting on almost any NFL team, being that second or third receiver, being that guy who's going to get you a first down and third and short, going to get open, great route running from this guy, great hands also. I mean, when you're coming off a Georgia team that has that tight end Brock Bowers and still getting this much recognition because they basically used him as another tight end, right? He's running those short routes where Brock Bowers was running 20, 30 yards down the field, and he's the under. He's a pretty safe guy to throw to, and I think that people are going to start realizing that at the combine. Might shoot up a little bit in the draft stock. Might be a guaranteed first round pick and I've seen a lot a few few um, mock drafts that have the Chiefs taking him at 32 fits perfectly in my opinion yeah sure handed which is <laughs> kind of the only thing they need <laughs> but uh, one of one of my guys I mean looking at this mock draft that's in front of us right now it's it's hard not to say Jared Verse because they have him going 24 to the uh, Cowboys, there's in my opinion, there's no way he's not a top fifteen pick. Yeah, he's the, the amount of teams that run a three four compared to a four four three. He can I can't I can't say that he fits both. He's more of a DN than he is an outside right, linebacker. Right. Whereas uh, Dallas Turner, yeah, he might be able to play both. He's big enough to stop the run. But he's legit. Like Dallas Turner is an elite athlete, whereas Jared Verse is the perfect defensive end, in my opinion. Right. Yep. Prototype the end. Yes. Jared versus him. Also, a guy that I have really high might be my uh, interior defensive lineman. One is Byron Murphy out of Texas. Um. This is your first glimpse at. Oh, Julia just let him. She's out. gone now. <laughs> Off the dome's house yeah. mascot, Ellie slash Tiny slash Little Joe slash Gojo. Gojo, yeah, couldn't forget about Gojo. But yeah, Byron Murphy out of Texas is an athlete as well. A great three technique. Yeah. Big guy too. He got a lot of power. Yeah, but um. He's not as much of a run snapper as uh, what's his name? Tavarius Sweat was the other defensive lineman from Texas. But if I see two Texas de- interior defensive linemen go in the first two rounds, I think that's perfect. And it says it says a lot about what LSU did this offseason and bringing Bo Davis in. Um, so I'm excited for them. But a guy that it's just slept on, that's a great – I mean, I want to say Brian Thomas because he's at the end of the first round, but you've got it. Kind of depends on team need at that point. Yeah, yeah it's not like he's getting passed up for. I mean, him and Keon Coleman probably have a great one-two. Like either one of them can go over each other. Just depends on team needs. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a guy you don't want to see within your division, but not on your team. Yeah, Brian Thomas, Keon Coleman, both those guys, kind of you know are overshadowed by some of the other wide receiver prospects, but I think are just as good, can hold up in the NFL just as well as the rest of them. I also think both of them will shine in the combine. 
Both of them have breakaway speed. I know Keon Coleman can jump out of the gym. We haven't had to see Brian Thomas try to elevate. Well, because yeah, because we have a great quarterback. We have a great quarterback. <laughs> puts the ball where it needs to be. <laughs> yeah. So I think both of those guys are going to shine at the combine. They may get overshadowed by Marvin Harrison and Malik Neighbors like they already are. But I feel like they're they're going to solidify themselves as first round picks. They're going to be they're without question that they'll be in the first round. Right, right. And I like I know my last secondary uh, prediction hit pretty well with Elante Taylor a few years ago. I'm not as confident. In uh, Kamari Lasseter, as I am in him, only because I don't think the Saints will take him. But if they do, you'll see me jump up. It's just the same. Um, And I really have never predicted a wide receiver before. So this is new to me. Usually I'm the running back guru when it comes to um, prospects and college talent coming to the NFL. So I'm sure in the next few weeks I'll find a guy there's pretty few of them this year. Yeah, I mean it was stacked last year. Yeah, this year it's Blake Corum and a group of guys, and Blake Corum's not a very big NFL body. No, I'll find somebody though. I always do. Yeah, and I I hope to deep dive into some in, into your offensive linemen. I mean I know I know a lot of the tackles. Yeah, I mean obviously we get a lot of our information and our our feel for these players at the combine. Yeah. So with that still ahead of us, I'm not worried that I won't be able to find one. Yeah, that and I'm going to end up doing some film breakdown on some offensive linemen. The drop step. The drop step. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I mean, there's plenty of offensive tackles to break down. And I just haven't got into the interior offensive linemen. I know uh, Powers Johnson out of Oregon, oh, Oregon is one of the guys that's projected to go in the first round. I don't know anything about him at all, but uh, I will discover that before the next time we talk about offensive linemen, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I think that'll do it for this episode of OTD. Um, make sure to tell your friends about us, like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. We love doing this. We hope that you like us doing this. Um, once again... You know, off the dome sports podcast. Go follow us on Twitter. Um, you could be the winner of the next giveaway we did. And uh, another huge shout out to the No Network. Find them on social media at being the No, spelled the correct way K N E A U X. The only way to spell it. This has been the 100th episode of Off the Dome Sports Podcast. I'm Mustang. I'm Rebo Hustle. And we will see you next time.